Good afternoon. Um, we're starting a new series today. Oh, it's up. Excellent. Um, God's story, many stories. Um, and throughout this series, basically the speakers have been asked to pick stories to share which have inspired them on their journey with God. Uh, these can be from the Bible, they can be from church history, they can be stories that they're personally aware of. But our hope is that in sharing these stories, we're all inspired. We're inspired by what it is to be part of the kingdom, what it is to be a child of God, but also that we're inspired for the worth of a story so that one of our takeaways, what we want, is that we all feel that our story is worth sharing. Right? Whether to build up the church or to share good news, but that every one of us has a story, and that story is important. You know, a story is more than a factual account. Okay, like I can read a a report or something, and I will pick up facts. I will acquire knowledge. But the difference between that and a story is that you immerse yourself in the story. In a story, you start to wonder, what was it like? How did they feel? What did it smell like? What was going on? What happened afterwards? So an account can fill us with facts, but a story can bring revelation. It can bring wisdom and insight, and a story can change us. And that's my prayer for my talk today and the rest of the talks in this series, that we would... Allow our imaginations to join in with the storytelling. And through that, give God permission to change us. A gifted storyteller really does, it carries you into the midst of the action. If you like watching chat shows, you know, I'm a bit of a Graham Norton fan, the best episodes are always the ones with the really good storytellers. Yeah. If you, I'm looking to see if she's here. If you have ever had the privilege of sitting and hear Delia tell a story, you will know what I mean. A gifted storyteller transports you. I come from a storytelling family. Oh, I need to move on. Like, I knew this would happen. Am I going the right way? No. I'm just going to wave at you. I'm waving at you. <laughs> I come from a storytelling family. So after every family gathering and meal, we will all be still found around the table with a glass in hand, recounting stories from generations past. They might get embellished. They will be told again and again. Okay. 
they have passed on the wisdom in our family. Um, because it's Armistice Day, I thought I would share a story. Can we have another one? because it was fitting for today. This is from my family. So my, fa my grandfather was in the Airborne. He was in the first Airborne, then he was in the sixth Airborne, and they were always in the midst. If there was anything bad going on, the Airborne were in the midst of it. And he told this story of, like, in the winter, so they would be... This was... Uh, if you've ever seen the film The Battle of the Bulge, which suggests that it's just the American Airborne that was there... Anyway, so there was my granddad. It's snowy, it's cold. And whenever they come across an abandoned house, they would go and scavenge. But the airborne were at the forefront. They didn't get supplies very often. They took what they could get. And he would say, you know, all the newbies would go in and be looking for little treasures. All the old hands would go straight for the ladies' underwear because they knew that layers of silk and satin under their uniform didn't take up much bulk, but really kept you warm. And so, so you can imagine all these really tough airborne soldiers, when they get a chance to wash, they'd be all stripping down into their camisoles and French knickers. <laughs> anyway, that's one for today. But stories transport you. Suddenly, you were all picturing it, weren't you? You were all thinking, what would that actually have been like? <laughs> how to keep warm back on topic we know stories can transport us and so I was left with the question of well where do I want to transport you what does God want me to talk today about all the myriad of stories a long time ago Nick and I um, did a year long theological course called workshop and um, one of the, like, sections was called Salvation History. Okay, and I remember Noel, the, the speaker, saying that what you have to picture, Nancy, is that you are riding the crest of the wave. But the body of the wave is made up of the stories of every man, woman, and child of God that has ever been. We ride on the crest of those stories. So how on earth do I go about picking the ones for today? Many years ago, I got a prophetic word that I was a donkey. A donkey. Okay. Yes. I've had some cool words, but a donkey. But they went on to say that this donkey was designed to carry a load across any terrain. I was like, okay, all right, maybe not so bad. Could have thought of a different animal that could do that. But, you know. The thing is, I have always aspired to the high places. And by that, I don't mean that I want glory or nothing like that. But I want that place with God. I want that place of intimacy. I want that worship. I want to see the miraculous. I want to hear God's voice really clearly. I want to see him face to face. My heart's desire is for the high places. 
But the reality is that I visit the high places. And I spend most of my life living in the valley. You know, walking in the valley doesn't mean that life is always hard. It's not all Psalm 23, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. We've all had those tough walks. But actually, valleys are also fertile plains. They're where crops grow and sheep live. And, you know, here, beautiful. So walking the valley can just be ordinary everyday life and God has been talking to me recently about our need as believers to walk well in the valley to not live only for the high places and those encounters which although wonderful and not where we spend most of our time. So today, I have picked three stories, if we have time, of three women who inspire me and challenge me because they model serving God on the mountain, but also whilst walking in the valley. Let me introduce you to Tabitha. A disciple named Tabitha lived in the city of Joppa. Her Greek name was Dorcas. And she always helped people and gave things to the poor. She became sick and she died. Her body was prepared for burial and was laid in the upstairs room. Lydia is in near the city of Joppa, where the disciples heard that Peter was there They sent two men to him and begged Peter, hurry to Joppa, we need your help. So Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs. And all the widows stood around him and they were crying and showing Peter the articles of clothing that Tabitha had made while she was still with them. Peter made everyone leave the room. He knelt and prayed, and he turned towards the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, saw Peter, and sat up. Peter took her hand and helped her stand. And after he called the believers, especially the widows, he presented Tabitha to them. She was alive. The news about this spread throughout the city of Joppa, and as a result... Many believed in the Lord. Tabitha was an ordinary woman, a disciple like you and me. Her story isn't recounted by Luke because she carried out some amazing miracles. She's in there because she was faithful and caring and stayed true to Jesus' teaching. She used her time and her resources to bless those around her, especially the poor and widows. Tabitha, for all we know of her, spent her time walking in the valley. 
What I love about this story is the effect this simple woman has on her community. Her faithful caring had such an impact on those around her that when tragedy strikes and she dies, they just don't accept it. They send two of their number to another city to get one of the apostles who actually traveled with Jesus, begging him to come for this widow who made clothes. Can you imagine it? On many levels, can you imagine the love that this woman inspired in her community? Can you imagine the faith that this woman's life inspired in her community? You know, I don't think it was a regular occurrence for them to go off every time someone died in their community, seeking an apostle. Throughout the Bible, we read stories of it happening, Old Testament and too. But in all truth, there isn't a lot. Even in the Bible, it's not a regular occurrence. This ordinary woman inspired the extraordinary Peter comes. Yeah? What was he going to do? He's met with these mourning widows showing what Tabitha had done. Now, Peter's faith might have been high. He's coming on the back of performing, you know, some amazing miracles with God working through him, raising lame people to walk, blind to see. He's preaching the gospel message. He's following in Jesus' footsteps, but he has never prayed for the dead to come back to life. But Peter has learned also to be faithful to Jesus' teaching. He sends them out of the room just as Jesus did with Jairus' daughter. And he prays. And then he turns to Tabitha and says, Tabitha, get up. And she does. What must Peter have felt like? I mean, seriously, put yourself there. Like he's mirroring Jesus. And then this dead woman wakes up. And he's there face-to-face with her. And he gets to invite all her friends in. I mean, that's mind-blowing. I have dreamt of raising the dead. I bet some of you have as well. You know, I told you I dreamt of the high places. I just, oh, you know. But it doesn't end there, does it? Because the story spreads even further around the community and many come to faith because of ordinary Tabitha who lived her life in such a way that the extraordinary was able to happen. I wonder who you relate to. 
the disciple, Tabitha, who was simply faithful in helping others, fulfilling God's command to care for the poor. Deuteronomy tells us, for they will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, to the poor in your land. And in Matthew, give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Are we Tabithas? Or are we the members of her community who stepped out in boldness, suggesting the impossible, but following it up? Hebrews 11.1 one tells us, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. They had probably never seen anyone raised from the dead. Or is it Peter who took the teachings of Jesus to heart, of Jesus to heart? John 14 tells us, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Peter took that to heart. That's Tabitha. Let me tell you about another woman. This one is called Amy. She was Irish. Yeah, and her life was turned upside down when her father's business failed and shortly afterwards he died. They were a Christian family, they went to church. And one day, as the family were leaving church, a beggar woman came out of the shadows to ask for help. As other parishioners hurried by, Amy was embarrassed to be seen with the vagabond and hid her face in shame. When she and her mother stopped at a restaurant to have tea and biscuits, Amy looked up and saw a little beggar girl pushing her face against the glass window, looking at her food. At that moment, the Irish girl quietly promised God that when she would grow up, she would help the helpless. She didn't have to wait long to fulfill her promise. On some days, she went with her pastor to hand out tracts and food to the slums of Belfast. And she would see the poor women who couldn't afford a hat. And they used to pull a shawl up to cover their head. And they were known as the shawlies. So Amy got to get a together a group of like-minded women and they started knitting beautiful shawls and giving them out to the shawlers. 
and she invited them to church, but the church turned them away because they didn't have a hat to cover their heads. And so she found this room where they could meet. And these women, these shawlies, would come and worship God. But God took that compassion, that response, that small beginning, and amplified it. This woman, this Amy, suffered with a lifelong debilitating disease. She lived her life in pain. But first she went to China, up in the hills, but it was too cold. Her pain was too intense. But she didn't go home. She took that call to help the helpless seriously. So she went to India because it would be warmer. And you might know this woman as Amy Carmichael, who then spent her life disguising herself as a native Indian and going into the temples and rescuing the young girls who were forced into prostitution and bringing them out and offering them a chance of restoration and renewal and a new life in Jesus. She was an ordinary, poor Irish girl who walked in the valley after her father's death, who walked in the valley throughout her life because of the pain. But who also reached the heights with God. Tabitha made clothes. And Amy knitted shawls. Tabitha's faithful life made an opening for the extraordinary in Peter's life. And Amy went on to the extraordinary in her own. Let me introduce you to my third inspirational lady. Jackie. Jackie grew up dreaming of being a missionary. It was the only thing ever that she wanted to do. And as time went on, that vision got honed, and it was Hong Kong. Just Hong Kong. And when she reached 20, full of zeal, she went to the missionary agencies. This is 1960s. And they all went, no, we can't use you. We don't want you. Jackie had a choice. She could have gone, oh, I didn't hear God right. I've got that wrong. I've made a mistake. But instead, she brought a ticket, a one-way ticket, to Hong Kong with 100 Hong Kong dollars in her pocket and just went. And she arrived there. And it was a miracle they even let her in, but they did. And she went straight to the walled city. An area in the 60s run by the triads, full of drugs and prostitution and violence. And she got a job as a primary school teacher to 
supply her needs. And she got a little building, a room, and opened a cafe for youth, for the boys. And then some of the boys that started coming started making commitments to follow Jesus. And as they made commitments to follow Jesus, they were miraculously, some of them, freed from drug abuse. The, there was a rule. If you were in a triad, a triad is a gang, you were in for life. And the head of the triads came to Jackie and said, we like that our lads aren't actually using the drugs, so we accept them coming and giving their life to Jesus. And Jackie stood up, she's quite small, stood up to these triad leaders and went, it doesn't work that way. If they give their life to Jesus, then there is only one Lord that they're answerable to. And he gave permission. He said, that's okay. If they make a commitment to Christ, I release them from the triads. Oh, I wish I could go on. You can tell she really is heroin. I haven't got time. I'm probably over time already. That little beginning, that one-way ticket, led to the establishment of the St. John's Society, which works with drug abusers and prostitutes all over the world and has transformed so many people's lives. I remember reading one of her books, Chasing the Dragon, many years ago. And I was so impacted. You know when you're so impacted by God that you've just got to do something. It's like, it's all in there, and if it doesn't come out, you're going to burst. And so I made 20 packed lunches. I lived in Leeds at the time. Leeds had horrific homeless issues. And I went out with my 20 pack lunches ready to share food and the gospel. And it was the one day in the whole of my years in Leeds I did not come across a single homeless person. I never quite understood what God was teaching me that day. I took the food to the Sally Ann's, sorry, Salvation Army, London girl, and gave it to them, and they were very blessed. But God sowed something in me that day that has never gone away. I hope these stories of Tabitha, of Amy Carmichael and Jackie Pullinger have inspired you. You know, we are not all called to great deeds, but we all do serve a great and awesome God. He is the God of the loaves and fishes. And he can and does amplify whatever we bring in faith as service to his kingdom. He amplified Tabitha's contribution. He amplified Amy's compassion. He amplified... Jackie's determination that God does what he says he will do. Tabitha sharing for what she had with the poor led to a miracle that saw many come to Jesus. Amy's care for the shawlies led to many young Indian girls being set free. All these women endured and lived through terrible hardships 
they have walked many, many miles in the valley. But they never allowed that to be louder than the call of God on their lives. And because of that, they also walked in the high mountains and experienced the miraculous. So the question is, what about you and me? How do we handle our time in the valley? Does it become all-encompassing? Does it absorb all of our time and our energy and our faith? Or are we able to hold on to the vision that God has sown? To continue to believe in God's promises for you and I? Do we continue to seek ways to serve? Are we faithful? We serve an amazing, amazing God. And sometimes we get life wrong. You know, 1 John tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in Thessalonians too, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. I share those because, you know, what the enemy would want to do now is to come and condemn you in the light of these three amazing women. And that is not the point. Because the point is there is no condemnation. There is always hope. There is always forgiveness. The Lord is always faithful and is ready and waiting at any time we turn to him like we did in the worship and say, I'm going to make room for you to do what you want. But each one of us is called. They were ordinary women until they responded. God made them extraordinary. I leave you with these thoughts. Has God been trying to get your attention? If so, what has he been saying to you or calling you to? And what might he be looking to amplify in your life? Thank you. Why don't we just show Nancy our appreciation? Just give her a round of applause.